Welcome to the Accounting on Purpose podcast series. In this series, we focus on accounting not as numbers on a page, but as a language. And with any language, it's about communication and finding shared meaning. Topics include things from what is a debit and credit, right through to how we use accounting to tell the story. G'day, Justin Hogg here, talking all things accounting in the great outdoors, which is a bit unusual for an accountant. And... uh, sort of what I want to talk to you a bit about today. One of the things um, I spend a lot of time doing now, which I really enjoy, is working with a lot of of social purpose enterprises. So people who have seen a problem in society or seen something that can be made better, and that's what they're doing. Their purpose is to make things better. Quite often, these things that are needing to be fixed are a result of our biases in how we go about doing things. So and that we don't actually see a problem until someone lifts the fog and shows, well, our bias is actually causing that problem. But we didn't, we didn't actually know that. We just, that's just what we did. We didn't know. It, we didn't mean anything by it. It wasn't intentional. Um, but that's, that's the result. So things like, it can be simple, a simple thing like plastic straws. I didn't think that was an issue. But then someone shows me an island of plastic straws in the middle of the ocean because of all that waste. Well, okay. Now, all of a sudden, that's an issue. I now do not prefer a straw, whereas I used to. Um, when you start working in industry sectors like mental health, like most people go, before I worked in, with mental health, it's like, there's no mental health issues. It's very rare. When you start working in it, you go, oh, actually, now I see them everywhere. Now I understand the problem. I understand that my bias was that I just didn't didn't understand what I was looking for. I suppose where I'm going with this video is that our bias can also, in terms of how we run our business, can cause us to do things in a way that isn't wrong, but actually ends up costing our business more than what it should have to. And specifically what I wanted to talk about is recruitment. So there's a lot of bias. When you look at employees, there is a lot of bias around the recruitment process and it, it evidences itself in a number of ways. So now obviously the first one that will spring to mind to most people is gender, gender diversity. Now this is definitely a result of bias and you can see it, to me you can see it most obviously in industries where it's predominantly male or predominantly female and no matter what is being done in terms of trying to get that gender equality back, it just seems to it just seems to be incredibly hard and doesn't happen. And we all I think there's a shared view that it should happen, but yeah, it still doesn't. That why is that? It's bias. Why is it that most jobs are full time? Why? Like why is the reason they're full time and not more part time work? Why is it so hard to get into an industry? Why do you need industry experience to get into an industry? And how do you get into an, get the experience to get in an industry that needs industry experience? Why? That, again, from my point of view, is mostly about bias. One of the best things that the pandemic has shown is that there's been such, for such a long time, a pushback on, no, people can't work remotely, it's not efficient, things won't happen, it won't get done, whether that be employees in an office or telepracticing for health. No, no, no. Pandemic happens. Everyone's working remotely and the world's still turning and it works. Why was that such a hard thing to change without there being a worldwide pandemic to change our point of view? 
Well, it's bias. It's bias that creates all these things. And when you look at then, well, what does that mean for me and my business? Now, that's all great. That's all high-level stuff. But for me and my business, I'm not biased. I, you know, I go about my job and I make the best decision with the information in front of me. Yes, you do. Unfortunately, there's a thing called unconscious bias. And this is, again, just how we're built as individuals. And it's, it's really fascinating when you get into start unlocking this because you start seeing in yourself your unconscious biases because you go, ah, oh, yeah, I've made that decision based on the way I've made the decision previously. And it's created the same outcome because of my unconscious bias. So rather than talking philosophically, let's get down to brass tacks and talk through an example. So where this really, for me, rubber hits the road, um, and it's both in terms of how I recruit and how I've seen others recruit, is employee recruitment. So when you're recruiting new staff, now, a lot of people put processes and procedures into their recruitment process to make sure that there isn't bias. So that there's not dis- discrimination is a type of bias, but that there isn't bias and that it's a above board process. Well. Unfortunately, from my point of view, the bias that affects that process actually starts before the recruitment process. It actually starts when someone leaves. So before you start the recruitment process, when someone leaves, that's when your bias kicks into play and actually limits your field of vision and creates cost to your business. Let's have an example. So say you've got, let's call an employee, Sam. Sam is full-time employee, works five to ten, I've been working there for five to ten years, worked in different departments, some good experience, full-time worker, always in the office, decides that they're going to leave the organization. Well, the immediate response is, okay, well, they've they've handed their resignation, they're going to leave either in a couple of weeks, well, we need another Sam. That's the immediate reaction, and that is bias right there what you've done is you've when you said well we need another Sam in your mind you've gone okay well I need someone who you know five to ten years industry experience works in the office full-time exactly that person that that sent that's unconscious bias and it's actually called anchor bias so what you've done is gone well that's what I've seen work I'll do that again and so that's what you go looking for so we need another Sam. So you recruit another Sam. You do up the, the recruitment process starts, your PD, all the recruitment process is about finding another Sam. I need to find another Sam. Now, Sam's might not be very easy to find. In fact, someone with five to 10 years industry experience who's available, who can work the way that you want them to work, have worked previously can actually be quite rare or quite scarce. So what you're what you're actually doing is you're creating artificial scarcity and when with scarcity comes cost. So effectively you're saying, well, I only want this exact product and if I have to pay this much for it, well, then that's what I have to pay because I need this product. And if I don't get that product, well, then I don't have another Sam and I can't keep running my business. That's with the unconscious bias. So how do you get rid of that and how do you unlock... unlock some value well firstly in unlocking value and this is the case in basically all types of investment and business unlocking value is quite often seeing value that others can't see 
And this is the value of getting rid of your unconscious bias or at least being aware of it. Sometimes it's, it's not always possible to get rid of your, your bias, but at least being aware of it. Because if you can see other options that other people can't see, you're creating value right there. That's adding value to your business. Whether it's reduced cost or increased revenue, it's value, you're creating value for your business. So how do you do that? Well, for me, the way I do that for a recruitment process is before the recruitment process starts, as soon as someone leaves, I mean the day of or the morning after that you find out that someone has left, before you make any decisions about what you're doing for recruitment, sit down and write down two or three critical tasks that need to be done once that person leaves. So two or three, nothing more. If that person is doing more than two or three critical tasks, there's a whole nother problem there. So you should be able to work out from that role, what are the two or three things that that role has to do? And that's what you recruit for, those two or three tasks. Now, quite often the recruitment process isn't built for that. It's like, well, you still need to have a PD, we need to put a job ad out, you know, we need to specify the job. Well, if you specify the job, you limit your market. So let me give you an example. Someone um, left in an organization and they were responsible, that position, was a full-time position and they were responsible, their critical task, they only had one critical task it turned out, was to respond back to client inquiries within five hours. That was their critical task. Five hours, so effectively within the business day, they had to respond back. That was a full-time position. When we took a look at and identified the critical task and go, okay, well, critical task is they need to be able to respond to all client inquiries within five hours, in business hours. Well, the immediate question is, well, why did that position need to be full-time? Why does it need to be full-time? I don't understand. Like, if, if they could, surely they could come in for the afternoon and answer the queries, that's still within the five hours. That, that works. And the other question was, well, why, are they, why do they have to be in the office? I mean, they could do this. They don't have to be in the office. They, obviously, there's different, like, there's benefits of them being in the office but they don't have to be. So all of a sudden you start going, well, actually I understand that there's a lot more options. So I could actually put an ad out that says full-time or part-time. Did they need to understand the industry? Well, no, really what they were doing was talking with them. They needed to be able to relate to the client. So as long as they could relate to the client, they didn't necessarily need to know the industry per se. It was all about relationships. So, okay, so they need to have good relationships, but not necessarily industry experience. So this is where it starts unpicking it. And all of a sudden, when you create a position description, which is a little more vague in terms of full-time or part-time, you know, ability to work flexibly, that type of stuff, and actually mean it, that then opens up a whole new field of people you can interview or have a look at. So that increases the pool that you can choose from and find someone that fits. Now, what happens, and in this example that I was just giving you, well, if it could be a part-time role, why were they working full-time? Well, this is what we do. So we go, okay, we need another Sam. Well, Sam did full-time. Well, sure, they had these three critical roles, but there's all this other stuff they did. Well, they don't need to do that because it's not critical for that role. So this then allows you to spread and, and potentially look at your team. And there might be other people who want to take other roles. So how do you mix the tasks in your team so that you can have this flexibility? And then at the end of that, that process, they ended up hiring a part-time person to do the client responses. They did better than they've ever done it before. 
and they were able to create a team that worked better than they had previously. So I encourage you, um, if you have your own business or if you run a team within a business, the next time someone leaves, be aware that there's an unconscious bias that you automatically have and try and, you know, through that awareness, put some processes in place to try and help you see through the, your unconscious bias and see the other options, the other pools, the other scenarios that, that might be there. And I think I've always, I found that doing that process does definitely help you create value that otherwise others don't see. And in some respects, that allows you to get ahead of the game. As well as, obviously, um, help tackle some of the other issues that are out there in terms of gender diversity, which and the more that, in my point of view, the more that we create diversity and embrace it, the more that we all win. So there's a, a social impact that you can have here as well as a business impact, which fundamentally, that's what Rytos is all about. We're about social impact that is sustainable and that creates value. So there's a little share for today. Um, I hope you found that video interesting. Not really about accounting, but um, something that I thought it was important to share. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.